Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. Welcome to the CXR podcast. We're excited uh, to just jump right in today. We've got about 15 minutes or so with industry friend, uh, CEO and founder of AppCast, Chris Foreman. Chris, say hello to everybody. Hi, everybody. It's awfully great to have you on the line. If you guys are here live, uh, we've got about 20 of you or so. If you're here live, you can go ahead and drop some questions in the chat. We'll open that and keep an eye out. Uh, otherwise, it's just us, just us, Chris, the Chris's. We get to talk a little bit about what's going on in the space. Awesome. Well, uh, been looking forward to this. So thanks for the opportunity. It's good stuff. So look, Chris, before we jump in, I love to ask everybody for kind of an elevator or an escalator pitch. It's your choice around uh, who Chris Foreman is and why anybody cares what Chris Foreman has to say. So who is Chris Foreman? Well, um, (laughs) uh, I'm a 51-year-old middle-aged white guy that lives on a dairy farm in uh, northern New Hampshire. I'm lucky enough that uh, uh, my wife loves me and likes me most of the time, and I've got four great kids. But probably, um, you know, besides those things, uh, the reason why people may be interested is I've been spending the last 20 years uh, working in recruitment technology um, with, uh, as part of a team of super smart folks from uh, starting with the Ayers, you know, the company that did the recruitment training and the first... Um, uh, generation recruitment CRM that was broadly adopted to the right thing, um, you know, big RPO player, uh, to founding a lab uh, by Dartmouth College that um, uh, incubated a whole series of kind of interesting rec tech, um, um, you know, kind of technologies. One piece of tech that we developed there uh, became the basis for AppCast, um, which today is um, by uh, most you know, kind of objective measures, the largest programmatic ad platform um, in the world. Nice. So you, you've come to join us today, talk a little bit about um, hiring management platforms, right? Yes. The, the, there's a convergence here and, and as well as job marketplaces yep. uh, and how some things are sort of starting to change and we should be keeping an eye on it. Can you, can you level set for us first, Chris, like when we say, a hiring management platform or a job marketplace. What are we talking about? I, I'm I'm trying to use new age words for for you know old technology. Uh, I'm talking about applicant tracking systems that have probably expanded um, and offer more than just applicant and hire um, you know applicant management. Um, I'm also talking about um, you know the the next generation of of job boards where truly you have a marketplace where you've got employers on one side and you've got job seekers on the other and the, and the purpose of that marketplace, whether it's Indeed, ZipRecruiter, LinkedIn, um, you know, Glassdoor uh, is to connect those two players. So um, uh, just trying to make it confuse the crunch out of everybody, Chris, by using new words. I love it. I like when we throw in extra syllables when we don't need them or when That's they're right. not required. It's fantastic. Like, I, I think it makes sense to be looking at these things and how they're changing and evolving. Um, the majority, vast majority of our listeners are practitioners uh, who are doing the work uh, and heads of talent. So if we're telling them to, if we're, if we're not, if we're finally not saying, hey, it's the death of job boards, uh, thank God, I think Jerry and I had a laugh the other day that this is probably the 11th or 12th year that it's been the death of job boards, but they seem to be hanging in there. 
Uh, and we have noticed an increase in job board usage, obviously with everything that's going on in the market, people are sort of turning to these where they didn't before, or they're investing more, or prices on the boards we see are going up a little bit here and there. So if I'm a practitioner, Chris, what wisdom would you give me? What should I glean from you today with regards to the evolution of that space, those platforms? Yeah. So um, there's, if you think about there's there's two markets here. So you've got you've got the 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 job site, job aggregator, you know, kind of job marketplace market, and then you've got the 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 the, the applicant tracking hiring platform market. And for the longest time, they had to work together, right? You know, jobs that were on an ATS had to go into an envelope and get put onto a job site and job seekers from, you know, a, a, a marketplace would click on a link and go to the ATS. But they were, with the exception of like, you know, job ad distribution and um, let's say some level of apply integrations that you've seen from these different platforms, you know, it was church and state, right? They, they were different. And they really didn't get into anybody's business. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, two big things happened. One of them was that Indeed launched a hiring management platform. And you know, now it, you know, Indeed is an ISIMS client, and you know, they use ISIMS for their um, you know, for their own hiring. They're a big enterprise company, but but they launched a product that straight up is something that if you're an SMB. Um, you can use that soup to nuts to basically do your your hiring. Okay, so boom. Then smart recruiters went exactly the other direction, and you know it's super interesting. Like if if any of your practitioners, you know, are smart recruiters clients, pull out your contract. You know, people that apply for a job on smart recruiters in many cases are opted in to you know the the smart recruiters, um, uh, uh, job seeker platform, which is a really interesting platform, has lots of capabilities and is super, super neat. But fundamentally what it is, is it allows job seekers to discover jobs. And so all of a sudden you've got these, the two major kind of pillars of our, of our industry coming together. And as an entrepreneur, you know, again, i I've been structurally unemployable for 20 years. So, you know, what, what I do is I, you know, I look at the market and, and one of the things that I've learned through a whole bunch of companies is whenever there is major market shifts, that's when opportunity is created. And that's also where, you know, this new friction impacts lots and lots of folks. So like, and by folks, I mean, practitioners, how do you think, um, job marketplaces are going to feel about the idea of people clicking on job ads from their customers going to an applicant tracking system and having those people get put into a platform that then competes with those job marketplaces. How do you think applicant tracking systems are going to feel about sending jobs to, um, you know, theoretically at some particular level or competitor? Mm-hmm. I'm not taking a, a position on either one of these things, but like when those two things happened, I'm like, Oh boy, I'm going to go pop some popcorn. This is sure going to be interesting. Um, well, I know the idea of sharing talent across platforms or across systems has always come up. Every couple of years, we hear about a new sharing platform, right? Or a new system that says, look, give us your you know, silver medalist. Just put your silver medalist in here. Nobody, 
wants to share, right? They want to stick them with like the, I don't know, the mud medalists, like no, nobody even in the top 20. <laughs> yeah, we'll put some people in there. And it, it never seems to really take off the way that, I, you know, ideally when you think about these things that, that you would hope that it would for the benefit of the candidate. Are you, Chris, are you already hearing any blowback uh, or people sort of scoffing at this evolution that you're looking at? No, because the, the other one, uh, you know, when when you had these talent exchanges, you know, those were super interesting intellectually, but man, they were hard, right? You know, there had to be rules about which people were opted in, which direction, and yeah, you know, silver medalists or or you know, kind of the uh, the white ribbons, you know, number ten at a dairy show. You know, you, you never. It was hard. What we're really dealing with here, though, is is something that's that's much simpler. You know, you've got job marketplaces building hiring management tools. They have customers that have hiring management tools. There's going to be some level of competition. And here's the dirty secret. When people buy recruiting technology, all that they want is hires. All that they want is hires. All that they want is quality applicants that they can hire. Okay. So if a job marketplace has a hiring management platform that is so well integrated that it makes it easier for people to get those hires, that's super compelling, right? That's mm-hmm. super compelling, which is one of the reasons why the hiring management platforms are starting to say, you know what? Um, we want to go the other direction. We've looked at these programmatic guys, holy mokes. They're, they're growing really fast. They're in the job advertising space without necessarily you know, getting into a two-sided marketplace. There's a lot of money there. Maybe we should look at that or, or heck, maybe we just go build our own version of this because, you know, if you take a look at the, the job board space, there's been lots of iteration, right? You know, there's been new game changers that come, you know, every seven to 10 years, and maybe this is the next thing that's coming. So I, I tend to like when I talk about this stuff to want to be very practical saying, here's a piece of news that you can use tomorrow to go get more hires, reduce costs, improve, uh, you know, apply flow. This isn't one of those things, but the folks that listen to your podcast, you know, are the, and, and are part of your organization work for industry leading companies mm-hmm. and, you know, need to be thinking around the corner. And this is one of those things that I've, I've taped to my whiteboard to think about because I don't know what it necessarily means right now, but my pattern recognition is telling me this is big. And so it's something to kind of keep keep an eye on. Yeah, I would agree with that, Chris. And I, let me ask you too, you mentioned programmatic advertising. We've got a couple of our of our member customers. They're large organizations and, and our membership ranges, they're hiring anywhere from 2,000 to 200,000 people a year each mm-hmm. uh, in a non-COVID, <laughs> pre-COVID, and now sort of trying to figure that out as we come out of it. But we, we're seeing a handful of them really push towards programmatic advertising. But we're also noticing in the space that there seems to be some rather slow adoption for this technology. But a lot of people are saying, like yourselves, like this is a big deal. This is something that should be invested in. And I, I suspect, I, I know a little bit around why the adoption is so slow. But before I chime in with that, Chris, I'm wondering, can you give some insight as to, or your opinion of why you think adoption of programmatic is so slow? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with the premise. Um, I would say it isn't. And so here's my data. Um, I value, I measure the, U, the, the North American job ad market. And when I say this, I mean job ads. I'm not talking about um, LinkedIn recruiter seats, resume database access, brand ads, that type, direct response ads at between five to six, 
billion dollars a year. Okay, so most folks say that the typically in the job ad marketplace they say it's seven to eight billion, but that includes lots of stuff that isn't actually a job ad. Okay, so so my first question to you is, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna um, test that with you guys. Does that sound? You guys know this. Does that sound reasonable? Yeah, I think that's pretty reasonable. Okay. All right. So um, as of now, if you take that, 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 that five to $6 billion, 60% of it are companies that have less than a thousand employees. In fact, a lot of them are, you know, mom and pop shops, the pizza shops, the, you know, the, the, the local grocery store, you know, the, the local car service up to companies that are in the mid range. So that means I'm going to use the 5 billion recognizing it's probably a little bit better because my brain can do the math here. So that means in the, um, in, in your, you know, community's marketplace, they spend $2 billion a year on job ads, North America. Okay. Okay. Take it for what it's worth. Um, as of right now, um, AppCast alone, alone has $1.2 billion of job ads going through our software hmm. by ourselves. That doesn't include Pando. That doesn't include Jovio. That doesn't include Radency. That doesn't include, you know, um, Click IQ. That doesn't include anybody else. Okay. So there you go. I disagree with the premise. Now, do what, what's, what's interesting is, um, you know, there's a lot. Now, where is most of that coming? It's for anybody that's recruiting in blue collar. If you are doing high volume blue collar and you're not using programmatic, yeah, I mean, that, that's a very, it's, a, it's a, a small group. Folks that use it for corporate hiring are much slower to adopt. And why? Right, right now, I mean, it is absolute. I mean, I think the term war for talent is so overused. I'm, you know, trying to use my addled brain to come up with something that's different, but, but it is, it's harder than you've ever seen it before. And so also when you think about the level of competition that exists um, and, and the competitive needs, folks that are in the blue collar space, they're at the cutting edge of how to optimize recruitment marketing. And that's yeah, and, and and Chris, I think you know when I set up the question in terms of like you know who our membership base is, they are primarily going to be enterprise sized, and we see we do see that. I think we're we're sort of saying the same thing at least in that segment that we do see a slower adoption in that space. And I wonder if it's um, if it's an issue of patience also because programmatic for a lot of when we talk to our members, like they they have to sit down and be patient with the investment. And it's more of a long strategy uh, for some of that programmatic use. Are you, are you seeing the same thing? Is it an issue of patience or long-term investment? Yeah. I mean, one of the neat things about um, you know, programmatic technologies is there is a switching cost. And, and depending on how sophisticated it is, it can be high, but it's not the same switching cost that you see with Apple contracting systems um, or hiring management systems. So sure. typically, like we, when we install a new client, it's 90 days because what we do is we run everyone's, you know, kind of ads through the platform, the same as they were running them for 90 days to create a benchmark. Okay. Um, because if you can't measure where you were at, 
you don't know if you're doing better or not. And typically people have some difficulty being able to answer the simple question of what was I getting before? So 30 days is a benchmark. 30 days, you make um, a set of changes that predominantly are around management of job corpus, turning off jobs that have enough applications and allowing jobs that don't have enough applications to stay on, which, you know, one of the first rules of marketing is knowing when to stop spending. That alone gets you a massive amount of, of uplift. And so that's the second 30 days is just turning off things that you don't need to be spending money anymore. And that leads to a lift. And then in the last 90 days is where you start to use algorithmic bidding um, and you start to, you know, kind of expand into the places that you go to. And, you know, that leads to a tremendous amount of, of, of lift. Um, so do we find some patients are, 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 um, or sometimes, you know, want our toe tappers, you know, want to go a little bit faster. Sure. The biggest can- candidly, the biggest challenge that large organizations have when they evaluate programmatic is this, they, they make the same mistake that they did when indeed started and when monsters around and they take, they open up the bottom right-hand drawer of their desk that has the junk wrecks that like no one has ever been able to fill, you know, just the stinky, stinky ones and yep. say, Oh, we're going to do a test. We're going to do it with those. Why, why wouldn't I give you those? I need well, those filled right away. Right, right. But, but, but what are we testing here? Are we testing that, 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 you know, we, we suck at an equal level with every, you know, so no, I mean, what programmatic software is, it's not a point solution. What it is, is it's a, it's an enterprise solution to, to optimize the biggest non headcount budget that a lot of people have appropriately. So if what you end up doing is you test it with your hard to fill requisitions, that's precisely the wrong way to look at it. What you want to do is you want to test it with everything. And then you look at how the allocation changes. And this is what happens is you end up spending um, less money per job. You end up spending more money for applicant and you end up spending less money per hire. So it is a long, it is a longer patient investment. Uh, than most leaders would probably like. I, I would imagine, especially now, when they cannot hire enough people uh, and they're struggling to get everything, and they're throwing money at a lot of solutions that that, that previously they wouldn't have even considered. Yeah, I, I I guess so. You know, I I will say that that you know within your customer base, if you talk to the folks that are responsible for store hiring, warehouse hiring, transportation, ecom, logistics, they're using. I mean. Everybody and everybody at big companies that is responsible for that in some way, shape, or form is using a programmatic technology. When it goes to the non-field-based stuff, um, that's 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 when probably there's less patience. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah, because today it's it's so hard out there that everybody is is willing to 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 dig in a little bit. I, I want all my hires yesterday, Chris. I don't understand why I can't have all my hires, especially the crummy, smelly ones that are down in the drawer. <laughs> That bottom right hand drawer, you know, the, yeah, yeah, the, the dirty rec drawer. Yep. So Chris, if you're going to leave the listeners uh, with one thought as sort of they're, they're out in that space doing the work and leaning in, what, what would that be? What, what would you give them as sort of a, a parting gift today? Yeah. Well, you know, first off, apologies again for being late. And the reason why I was late, I was listening to Madeline and, and she's done some really, incredible research around, well, she's, I think she's the best, you know, Are you, Chris, uh, are you getting a nickel every time you say Madeline's name? Yeah, there you go. But, uh, you know, on rec, uh, you know, rec tech analysts, I think she's just great. Um, She did, uh, and her team did a a quantitative and qualitative research with some of the biggest companies in the United States around programmatic. And 
what I'm about to say has nothing to do with AppCast. This is this is more this is segment based. Mm-hmm. Once you go to programmatic, you don't go back. Like literally, you don't go back. Um, and ninety percent of the people that have invested in programmatic technology are planning to stay to to invest the same amount next year, or increase it. Only ten percent are saying that they want to reduce their investment there. And so, you know, I think that over the question about the 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 talent marketplaces that we're you know, that we're you know competing in right now. Um, Really, the only question is, are we, is it going to be really hard for the next couple of quarters or is it going to be really hard for the next six quarters? And I think there's three things that are going to determine that. The Fed's response to inflation and whether or not they put the brakes on, on inflation, which would actually decelerate the labor market, A, B, COVID, and C, care. You know, having a, a care solution that brings predominantly women back into the marketplace because you know, you've seen a complete recovery, uh, almost a complete recovery in male participation rate in the economy, but we're not seeing that with women. Those three things are going to dictate whether or not we're in this for a medium term or a long term. And if we're in for the long term, I think you're going to see more, more people making decisions to try things like programmatic or to you know, finally figure out how to integrate all of their siloed rec tech together. So the CRM talks to everything else and it actually works really well um, because we're going to be forced to have to deal with that. Yeah. Well, that's a radical thought. All the systems communicating together. (laughs) No, I know. Chris, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate being on. I know you're off site, so uh, we're we're just super happy that you were able to dial in and make it. If you're listening still, if you hung in there with us, uh, we're excited about next week. We've got the Real Link CEO and co-founder, Sam Davies, uh, to join us. If you've not heard of them, they launched uh, earlier this year, late last year, with a wonderful product for internal uh, mobility. But uh, in partnering with the CXR Foundation, we've done something a little different with it uh, in that platform. So Sam's going to join us next week. We're going to talk about the importance of internal mobility, but we're also going to talk about uh, that new work done with the foundation. So until then, we'll see you guys online at cxr.works in the community. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time. Thank you.